welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. What's up, everybody? It's Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, with my co-host, Chris K. This week, we have an action-packed episode 42 for you. Over the last few months, we have been doing some head-to-head matchups and, more recently, some Greatest Hits episodes. Well, this week, it's both. This week, we're taking on Guns N' Roses, User Illusion 1 and 2, and we're also picking the ultimate User Illusion album. Kenneth and I are going to pick 15 songs from each album to create our own personal greatest hits. Then we're going to pick out the songs that we matched and set them aside while we debate which of our remaining songs are going to make it onto the ultimate version of our collective Use Your Illusion greatest hits. And as always, I'll bring you another shot of Rusty Metal, where I reach into the archives of heavy metal and highlight an album that I feel is worth listening to again for the thousandth time, or for young listeners, maybe for the first time. I'll also have another freshly forged pick for you. And after today's debate, we'll also give you our big four Guns N' Roses songs. With so many good songs, be sure to stay until the end to hear which GNR songs made our list. If you missed a previous episode, we talked a lot about Metalcore and some of the newer bands out there that are leading the charge for heavy metal. And we gave you our big four Lamb of God songs, too. To hear which songs we chose, download or stream the episode or any of the older ones on all the major podcast platforms. And while you're there, click subscribe or follow and get our latest episode every Friday morning. And don't forget to rate us or leave a review and let us know what you think of us. We also want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics. So if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us at our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. While we're on the subject of email, Kenneth, I hear you have a listener's Big Four Lamb of God. I do. Listener Stuart from Houston <laughs> sent in his version, uh, his Big Four Lamb of God songs. Um, so we're going to read that off. So that, that was pretty cool. Again, some more interaction regarding some of the stuff that we've been talking about lately. So his top, or not, his Big Four Lamb of God songs are number four, In Your Words, number three, Ruin, number two, Hourglass, and number one was Laid to Rest. So that's a pretty good list. Uh, I'm not super familiar with In Your Words, but I do know the other three songs. And, and it, you know, as, as much as it was different from ours, uh, it's still a pretty good list from what I can see. So that's cool. Anyway, um, that brings us to Rusty Metal for this week. And Rusty Metal this week, for me, I am picking Def Leppard High and Dry. Um, the album came out in 1981, released on Mercury Polygram Records, produced by Robert John Mutt Lang, and it was recorded at Battery Studios in London, UK. High and Dry is by far, hands down, my favorite Def Leppard album. It contains two of my favorite Def Leppard songs, Let It Go and Bring It On a Heartbreak. And it's got a couple other good songs on it too as well, uh, called You Got Me Running, Lady Strange, and High and Dry Saturday Night. MTV used to play three videos from this album. They played Let It Go, High and Dry Saturday Night, and Bring It On Heartbreak. And they were all from, like, I guess they were all 
shot at the same time because the, the guys had the same exact outfits on for all three videos. Almost seems like it was one concert, but the, the fact is that they're not, it's not concert, like it's not live. It looks like it's live, but it, uh, it's basically they're lip syncing to the to the song, so it's pretty weird how that how it looked. But it, it came across as if it was a live concert, and since all three of them are together, it, it seemed really weird that that all three were like identical, you know, style and look and all that stuff. Basically on stage, but nonetheless, cool videos and they played. They were crazy super heavy rotation on MTV. The album was re released after the success of Pyromania, which came out a couple years later. Uh, it was re-released and it had a remix of Bringing On The Heartbreak and a remix of Me and My Wine, which was the B-side to Bringing On The Heartbreak. And uh, let me tell you, the remix of Bringing On The Heartbreak to me is an abomination to the original. It's terrible, in my opinion. It's much slicker. It's heavy on the keyboards. It, it just To me, they ruined the song. Like If I had heard that first, I would not have been a fan of that song as much as I am the original. It just does. It just doesn't come across the same. It doesn't have the same feeling. You know, there was a lot of emotion in the first version, and I, I think some of that was lost because it, it it's all compressed and very even on the mix. So whatever. Um, they released videos uh, for both "Bringing On a Heartbreak" and "Me and My Wine" the remixes. Both got a ton of airplay on MTV, so they were all over the place for like the four or five consecutive years. The re-release version with the two bonus tracks on it has not been available since the mid-90s. But recently, Def Leppard released a five-CD box set of their early material, which included the first two albums. And it's remastered, and it includes a live CD, and a rarity CD, and a BBC CD. Right? BBC? Yeah. (laughs) BBC CD. (laughs) And the rarity CD includes the two bonus tracks that were on there, which basically is um, Heartbreak and and Me and My Wine. That's the only place you can get them now. So that's cool. So if you want the two CDs, you got to get the five CD box set version of their first two albums. So pretty cool. It's out there, though. Get it. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, this week for Freshly Forged, I picked an album that I had talked about a, a single that was released a, a couple months back, actually. Um, and this is Insidious Disease, their, their new release, After Death. Uh, their first album came out 10 years ago, so pretty big gap between the first and the second album. I, they're not a super well-known band for uh, the, the lineup that they have. They've got members of Dima Borgir, Suspiria, Napalm Death, guys that, that are really talented and have been in the industry for a long time. Uh, almost a super group, in a way. Um, they're all active in their, their respective bands, and so... This is kind of one of those projects that probably only gets together every once in a while to put together something like this. And that would be the reason that there's such a gap between the two albums. So you've got uh, Silenos and Cyrus, who were both members of, uh, of Demo Borgir, at least at one point. And you've got uh, Mark Grew on vocals, which I'm, I'm really into what he's doing here vocally. It reminds me a lot of the early Florida death metal bands like like Death, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of, and some of the others we've talked about in, in previous episodes. So I'm, I'm really into what's going on here. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say like it's a, it's a 10 over 10 album by any means. I would say maybe like a 7.5 or an 8. Um, I, but I, I just keep finding myself wanting to listen to it. It's one of those things like it's not 
super exciting. Like, there's nothing that that just stands out and just blows my mind. Other than there's a couple songs where I'm I'm really into them. Um, but for the most part, it's just something about it that just keeps drawing me in. And if you're a fan of this style of music, I think you'll really enjoy it. Like to me, the highlights were uh, I I really enjoyed Invisible War. Um, there was Betrayer, which I believe they have a video for. And Enforces of the Plague, which was the, the single that, that I talked about a few months back. But all the songs are really enjoyable. Uh, it has a nice flow to it where it, it kind of escalates and then, and then slows down a little bit and back and forth. So overall, it's a, it's a, it's a solid album. Um, but if you're, if you're a fan of early Florida death metal, um, it's, it's going to be a, one that you want to pick up for sure. Cool. I remember when you played, I think you had picked one of their songs for something early on, something we should be listening to, you know, what you should be listening to or what should you be mm-hmm. listening to. And I remember listening to the song. The song was really cool. So I'll definitely give this a shot, uh, a shot and listen to it on the way to work one morning. Nice. Cool. All right. So that brings us to our main topic this week, which is Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Greatest hits, best of, head to head, whatever you want to call it. This week, it's it's a it's a double dose of the stuff that we've been doing lately. All right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go track by track through the album, kind of give our opinion on the songs, and while we're doing that, we're also gonna be kind of figuring out what our 15 songs are that we're gonna pick, and then uh, at the end we'll sit we'll we'll talk about how which one we like more than the other, and then compile our 15 songs and at the end we'll have the ultimate user illusion or so we hope <laughs> all right so the first song is so well let's, let's let me give it a little overview of the of the albums both albums were released in 1991 on the same day it was really really cool i actually was working in a record store at the time so i did the midnight release metallica had come out just a few months earlier or maybe a month and a half earlier I Metallica had come out a month and a half earlier in August and there was no not for at least not for my store there was no midnight sale um but we got word that the record company for Guns N' Roses which was Geffen Records at the time they wanted to do a midnight sale our store was open till midnight so they, it was kind of convenient everybody was still there people started lining up and at midnight, boom, the thing went on sale and people were buying both copies. I mean, I think I would say hardly anybody did not buy both copies. So uh, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, we had a ton of them in the back room and it would just it was just flying off the shelves. Super cool experience. Uh, and I ended up getting a promotional copy of each of the albums um, as a as a reward for being there that night. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I imagine it was pretty crazy. I mean. Guns N' Roses at that point was at their their most popular, so them releasing two albums on the same day, I imagine that was just a crazy day. Oh, people were rabid because they had already, um, if I'm not mistaken, they had already started their tour, and so the albums weren't out yet, and they were trying to finish up the the albums in between shows and stuff like that. So so people were some people were getting the new music that were going to the shows. Um, and back then there wasn't a lot, you know, there, you know, this is 1991. So there wasn't, there were videotape trading and it was audio tape trading, but it was trading. So you didn't know, you know, uh, if you lived in Los Angeles, you weren't getting that 
what was going on in St. Louis right away. It, had, it was word of mouth of how good the songs may or may not have been, depending on what they were playing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so fans were rabid. I mean, they had, there was a videotape that came out um, a few months prior. Um, they had played a show in South America somewhere. I think it was in Brazil. You know, it's always in Brazil. They played a show, big stadium tour, a show, and they played two brand new songs. And this video showed those two songs. Now, the the video was one of these like um, uh, magazine type of interview show things where they just had different bands and they had different segments on all that. And one of the segments was we're on tour with Guns N' Roses. Let's check out what they're you know they're, what they're doing. And on they they actually played videos from two songs um, from the album and. That's the only reason why I got that video because it was like two brand new songs. It was it was promoted on the on the um, on the the cover of the box of the VHS tape, and I was like, I have to have this. You know, I got to get the new songs because the new album's not out. So I bought that, and the songs were pretty tied up. And what was the other one? Um, Double talk and jive. So it was really cool. It was one off of each of the albums, which I don't think they necessarily meant to do it that way, but I, they may have. The song, the versions that they did live were really cool, and I just I was so excited to hear these songs, and, and this is cool, Guns N' Roses, new songs. And then all of a sudden, they, they, uh, they pulled, off, they pulled the, um, the videotape off the shelves and re-released them with two other songs that were not new. Because they did not want those songs out there, but I have my copy. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was pretty cool. All right. So um, at the time this was out, you were just a, a wee little child when it came out. Yeah, I was. Uh, let's see, what year was it? Nineteen ninety-one. Ninety-one. So I was five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was. I was not at a midnight release. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. So let's get into the first songs here on. Usual Illusion 1. Um, the album starts off with Right Next Door to Hell. I think it's a pretty cool song to start off with. Uh, it just kind of opens the door to to, to the new Guns N' Roses. Uh, the band is slightly different. Um, Steven Adler is no longer in the band. They've added Dizzy Reed on keyboards. They've added some other players in the background. I don't think it shows up much on this song. But it comes out throughout the album. Some of the other players that are on the album. Um, but it's a it's a pretty cool song. I mean, it, it's not the best song in the album, but I think it's a pretty cool song. It's a, it's a nice, good up tempo rocker. You get the yeah, blood I, I think it's a great opener because um, it's got a lot of energy. It's got that punch that that a that an opening track needs, and it's it's you know quintessentially Guns N' Roses sound. I mean, even though yeah, it's a little different. It's got a, a little harder edge to them uh, with this album, but uh, but I would say it's a great way to start it off. Yeah, one of the things that you notice right away is that the sound is different from what they had been doing on uh, on Appetite for Destruction. Drum sound is completely different, and that obviously has a lot to do with the fact that they changed drummers. But even then, the mixing there was it was this this album sounds really really good. But they went through a lot to get to that point because the album was was uh, 
you know, recorded in several different places or finished in several different places. And then the mixes, they, they, they had done mixes, and then they scrapped them, and they did them all over again. So there was a lot of uh, internal um, tug of war between Slash and Axel as far as how the album was, was going to sound. Ultimately, it came out really well. This would be the final appearance of Izzy Stradlin in Guns N' Roses. He uh, he did this album, played a few shows with them on the tour, and then left, and ended up. And so Gilby Clark joined the band as the replacement guitar player. So it it was it was kind of weird in a way because you you get these two brand new albums, and then essentially if if you weren't at the first few shows, you got a new guy on the band that didn't even play on the album, but. Nonetheless, the album was really good. I like this song, Right Next Door to Hell, so it, it, it's, it's definitely, like you said, a really cool opener. Leads into Dust and Bones. Now, that's where I think things start to go different. You, it's very bluesy. Very very different turn for... I mean, they had blues elements in it, and Slash has always kind of had that, that in him, but um, that's a big change for... You know what what your expectations were from appetite absolutely the one thing i noticed um if when you when we go through the the whole all two records there are a lot of blues songs on it like you say oh yeah um and not only that but there's like this one and uh and i think breakdown the intro and on, on news illusion 2 there's a lot of elements that are very western sounding almost like spaghetti western kind of sounding um, yeah, you know it has a little bit of a you know some banjo feel to it, and you know there's a there's some dobro playing throughout the uh, on a couple of songs. So there's they they a lot of experimentation on this album. It begins with this song, Dust and Bones, and so the song the album has a lot of ebbs and flows, a ton of them, and it it's. It's almost too eclectic to some degree, and that's I think that's the reason why we're doing this show tonight because there's so much going on with this, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get to what to the bottom of which one, sh- which sh- which is the best fifteen. So, Dust and Bones, it's not a bad song, but it's not something I'm going to put right up there with the best of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. Uh, to me, it's 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 good. Um, and it shows there's some diversity in their playing style, etc. It shows that they could do more than just you know one thing. But at the same time, um, I kind of like that one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, the the Lies EP that came out a couple years earlier showed the diversity that Guns N' Roses has. You know, four acoustic songs. One was a song that was on Appetite that was re redone in, in an acoustic version. Patience was a big hit for them, um, but it, this was definitely a departure. I mean, it was in between what they did for Appetite and, and the acoustic stuff with Dust and Bones. Again, nothing wrong with the song. It's actually got good melodies on it. You know, it, it's it, the words are are, are not, you know, uh, they're not offensive or anything like that. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, Izzy's doing some of the singing on this song. I, I, I can't remember. I know he sings one song on Use Your Illusion 2. I don't know if he's doing anything on this because he was one of the uh, sing- the songwriters for this song. It's just not it's just not what you expect from Guns N' Roses. So it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay. 
That brings us to song number three. It is the first of two covers on these albums. It is Live and Let Die, the Wings song uh, from the, um, Paul, uh, the Paul McCartney Wings song from the James Bond series of films, Live and Let Die. I love this version. Same. I, it's so much better than the Paul McCartney version. Uh, it, it hits hard. It's really cool version. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just a really good song. They play a great version of it live. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good cover. It fits Axel's vocals very well, and he does a killer version of it. So I, I mean, I, I think it's great. When Paul McCartney played the Super Bowl several years back, my wife was hoping that Guns and the Axel Rose would do a guest appearance and come out and kick ass on that song, but. She was sadly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, she, I, I didn't see that coming. No, she she was hoping it would be sort of like what when when uh, Axel came out with Elton John during the uh, Freddie Mercury tribute, but lo and behold, she was sadly disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then it, next song up, song number four is "Don't Cry," the original lyrics version, um, which is the song that was a single for them, big hit for them. This is a really cool ballad. I like this song a lot. Um, words are great. Video is great. It it is a very good, well written song. Includes um, Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon uh, on back on like not even I want to say background vocals. He was he was assisted in some of the harmony vocals that were on the song. And no one knew who Shannon Hoon was at the time because Blind Melon didn't exist yet. Or they existed, but they weren't signed yet. I think they, they hadn't blown up yet. Yeah, they hadn't blown up. They hadn't come out with uh, No Rain yet. <laughs> I, I like this version of the song. Or I like this song, actually. I like the song. I actually prefer the alternate lyrics version really? a lot more. Um, something about that version just hits hits me better. You know, like, I just I enjoy that version more. But it's essentially the same song. Oh no, it's exactly the same. He just literally changed the, the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, but but in doing so, he's singing differently too. And and I like the inflection that that Axel has on the alternate version more than it almost feels like this one's a little more subdued, which is is not. It's not a bad thing. It's just a preference. Um, but I like that. It almost feels like there's a, there's a deeper emotion. In the the second version. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I like I like both versions. I prefer this one better than the, than the second one. You prefer this the other one over this one? That's cool. Works for me. Um, <laughs> perfect. I want to co- say I heard the second version first too. Really? And I think that can always affect things too. Yeah, absolutely. Because you get used to that version of the of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And- well, I, I I owned Use Your Illusion two before I owned. Use your illusion one. Ah, that that explains a lot right there. You were one of those that bought them one at a time. <laughs> I didn't know there were different. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I went to the record store and I I was picking up like because I had um, Appetite and I loved Appetite. I mean, I listened to that one so much. And then I went to go pick up Use Your Illusion because my friend said you had to. I didn't realize there were two, so I just picked up the one that I saw and then. And then realized there was a second album. Cool. Very cool. This was before the Wikipedia days. Before the Wiki days. 
<clears throat> All right. Song number five on the album is Perfect Crime. I like this song. This, I like the fact that it's up-tempo. There's an attitude behind the song. It's not one of their greatest songs that they've done, but it's it's just one of these quick, punchy songs that slaps you in the face. But it's, it's a pretty cool song. Yeah, it has the same kind of attitude that was in the first album, and I that's what I like about it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's not like one of the greatest hits or, or anything as far as you know their overall career. But as far as songs here on these albums, I like it a lot. Cool. You Ain't the First is the next song up. That song... My wife likes that song a lot. I have no care for the song whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the song doesn't do anything for me, whatever. But the one thing that I can get from all these songs, except maybe one, and we'll talk about that later... Um, is Axl Rose, and then the whole band for that matter, these guys are top-notch musicians. You know, Slash obviously is, is a legend. Axl's a legend. Duff is a solid bass player. And, you know, the, the, the one thing about it is that when Axl puts his mind to something, he, he has some great harmonies. He has some great melodies. And... You know, it, it, it comes out in a song like this, you know, just they're just sitting there singing. It's not the greatest song in the world. It doesn't do anything for me, but there's still something about the way he, he you know, enunciates and inflects his voice. And it still comes across and makes this song better than it would be if it was just sung by anybody. And that, so I think that's cool about it. But other than that, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those songs that's very different than than the other stuff they've done. It almost has like a folky um, kind of country aspect to it. Not like country, country music, but like that folk music. Right. And and I can see it. it's one of those that probably grows on people after a few listens. Um, but f- for the most part, it, it just doesn't do it for me stylistically. But at the same time, I can tell, you know, you you know when a song is a good song, whether you like it or not. Exactly. You you, you know when when there's there's the talent there and there's the the skill there, that's that's makes up, you know, what a song should be, and that's kind of how I feel about this this song is I I recognize that, but at the same time, it's not necessarily what, um, you know, gets me going. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, next song is "Bad Obsession." That song was one of their concert staples for the for the tour. It's a cool song. I like "Bad Obsession." It, it's got a, a harmonica on it. It's got dobro on it. It's got slide guitar. It's it's just sleazy. The song is super cool. It's all over the place. It's got a really funny kind of lyric to it. Um, it's 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 Axl Rose at his kind of most sarcastic in a way also kind of a little a little bit of introspection on it even though it's it probably not uh, a very personal song but yet there's there's something in the song that kind of says something in there is, is, is Axel you know but oddly enough it wasn't written by Axel but something about it, maybe they wrote it about him or something. There's, there's something in there. It, it really, to me, 
Axel makes it feel like it's his own. It was written by Westar Keenan by Izzy Stradlin. So it it's not his lyrics in that regards, but at the same time, it's something uniquely Axel Rose about this song. Well, that's, that's one thing that's really incredible about Axel is that he's able to take a song and make it his own. And he's shown that with multiple covers, you know, the, the stuff that, you can't really take anything away from what he did with ACDC, you know, where he filled in. We all knew that's a, that's what he's doing. He's doing a favor and filling in, but there was, there was something he did that made it personal for him too. And so I think that that's one of the hallmarks of a great singer is that they're, they have that ability to not just go out and try to replicate and do something like that, but actually um, make the songs their own. And, and that's what Axel does. And it, for his faults, you know, especially with his attitude in his younger days, um, there's nothing you can take away from him as far as his abilities as a singer and his, his abilities as a front man. Absolutely 100% correct. I, I, I give him all those props in the world. I just wish sometimes he... And, and he's much different now. I wish mm-hmm. back then he had been more uh, aware of that um, uh, and uh, and aware of that particular thing, and, and aware of professionalism. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because I think that's what Angus Young taught him when when he was in ACDC for that short period of time. Angus, I think, taught him professionalism because I think I don't think he's been late since then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Bass is a pretty cool song. Back off, bitch. It's one of these songs that just, to me, it's a cool song. It's not a great song. It's a filler song. It's entertaining. But realistically, does it really belong in here? That's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, I like it. It's It's got that attitude that I like to hear from Guns N' Roses. Um, you know, to me, yeah, it's it's not... It's not one of the greatest songs ever, but there's something about it that I I really like, but just because of the attitude, I think. Yeah, attitude is, on the song is cool. Um, I mean, that's something that that Axel and and the band have have always done well is getting attitude on songs. I just think in in this particular case, it's it's one this whole these both these albums is a ton of attitude on, and there was obviously a lot of turmoil going on with the band, and this is one of those songs where it's kind of like. I don't know. It, it, for me, as cool as it is, it's one of these songs where it, it almost felt like it was unnecessary. But, you know, these the fact that there's 30 songs on two albums, that kind of tells you that they were the, the excess of the day. He's like, yeah, let's put it on there. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Double Talk and Jive. We kind of mentioned it before uh, on that video. That's a really cool song. Um, I like it a lot. Um, it, it is it's one of those songs that there's a lot of innuendo to it um, it there's I don't know it, it's a it's a really fast quick song in terms of, of time it's not very long and it has uh, this really cool acoustic solo that that is the same notes of the song but just done acoustically by Slash. I love the ending of the song. I love the song itself. It, to me, is a very cool song. But there's, I don't know how else to describe it. It's really, 
I, I don't the whole double talking jive get the money motherfucker it's <laughs> I don't I, I don't know what Axel's talking about per se but it's a cool song um I mean it's it's a lot of ideas mashed together into a song and it works um the the ending what you're talking about the the acoustic ending uh following the electric guitar solo it's it's just really cool um it it makes sense that it's it's one of the better tracks on the on the album there's something very strange about it that kind of reminds me about uh like zz top briefly uh having to do with the way that the vocals are recorded um there's there's just a lot going on it's a lot of concepts and it kind of mirrors the chaos of what's going on with the band at the time and i think that's why it's such a fitting song for the album Mm -hmm. definitely all right that brings us to november rain this is the epic classic of this album november november rain the song itself actually the video to to november rain just pulls in everything that is excess of the late 80s early 90s heavy metal hard rock hair metal whatever you want to call it that song there there was so much in that video the song when you hear it that it, it evokes that video because that video was played over and over and over again so if you if you weren't watching it or you weren't there obviously you you didn't stare at mtv in 1991 um that from for a lot of people who were into the band at the time that was something that is ingrained in your head i mean slash playing the the guitar solo in the middle of the rain and outside in this big open field right outside the church where where axel was getting married to uh, was her name Stephanie or something like that? Well, he didn't play the guitar in the middle of the rain in the in that scene outside the church. It, it was just like a windy desert, and oh, it's it, it's a pretty iconic. No, <laughs> oh, so it wasn't rainy. It was it was windy though. But it, yeah, it but was he, it was a windy desert, and yeah, I mean he's playing guitar out there, and it's just it's just so iconic, like that image of of, of mm. that. But yeah, there, I mean there's the the rain is in the the scene of the uh, the the uh, the wedding. Oh, and yeah. and there's a guy that jumps through a cake and it's just it's just chaos. Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine like that was all in slow motion. I can't even imagine what that was like in regular <laughs> speed, you know. Um but the, the 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 nuttiness, the excess of that whole video was just insane. Um but the song itself is absolutely amazing. I mean it is a is a classic, it is great, it's absolutely well written. Um it is an epic song, an epic ballad, and the, the lyrics are awesome to it. You know, just the whole emotion behind it, and, and there's so much emotion from Axl Rose on this on this song. It's incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's just there's there's a lot of skill that's put into the song. It, it feels more planned out than most of the stuff on on the album. And that, the reason I say that is there's there's a, so many ideas and conflicting things that I think sometimes the chaos works for them. Um, that's you know that's one of those things that uh, that they they do well is all the all the ideas that are being thrown together. It, it's almost in the same vein as uh, Fleetwood Mac when when they were dealing with rumors 
Um, there was so much turmoil going on within the band. Somehow that made for a lot of um, like passionate opinions and skill and you know just things that that made them very um, unique in what they were doing. And I think that translated the same way with what uh, Guns N' Roses did with this album. And so um, there are certain songs on these two albums that they don't feel quite that way, that they're, they're more thought out, more planned out. And this is one of them. I mean, it's epic. Yeah. It's, it, it, there's just like what, what Slash is doing on guitar, the, the, the piano parts, the build up. The, the the vocal quality everything here is just so um not manufactured meticulous i don't want to say that huh it's meticulous it's meticulous whereas everything else that uh, these other songs that we're talking about they all have like a raw quality to them this mm. song doesn't have that raw quality right and just like don't cry doesn't have that raw quality because it's also mm-hmm. very meticulously recorded and done I know November Rain was a song that had been hanging around for a while. They had done uh, on the on the new box set that came out for Appetite for Destruction, the anniversary edition. They it was one of the I think the Sun City Studios. I think it, that song has been around since like 1986 for for Guns N' Roses or something like that. And it's incredible to think that they've had that in some way, shape, or form for that long. And I mm-hmm. think it finally with Axel finally getting the time to sit there and put it together because obviously November rain doesn't fit on appetite for destruction, mm-hmm. but it fits really well on this because I think because it's such a diverse album, right? It, really anything just about fits on this <laughs> album. except for one song. And we're going to talk about that at the end. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it this definitely because of, of the the eclecticness of this of these two albums, it definitely fits. All right, so that brings us to the Garden, which is a song that features Alice Cooper on it. Um, doesn't do anything for me. Uh, it's a, it's an okay song. I Alice Cooper sitting in there, you know, doing a a, a verse in there doesn't really do anything for me. It's an okay song. To me, it's a filler song. Could have been like a B-side. I like it. I, I, I think it's got a really cool uh, riff to it. And I think that's really the, the, the part that draws, draws me into it. So, um, I, I like it. I, I think it's not necessarily one of the, the best songs on the this album. But at least top ten. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Not my top ten. <laughs> uh, it, it, like I said, it doesn't really do anything for me. I mean, the funny thing is, I listened to all these songs hundreds of times because mm-hmm. the albums were great, and I was just listening to them left and right when I when I was, you know, into it back in the day. Um, so I know it very well. It's just it's one of these songs where eh, now that I now that I, you know, you're you're in a car, you just you just skip. <laughs> I, at least me. <laughs> Um, Garden of Eden's next. Um, it's another one of these songs. It's it doesn't do anything for me. It's a little bit more up tempo than the Garden. Uh, there's two Garden songs back to back. Sounds like it's a salad to me. Um, 
Well, we got some apples coming up. Too. Yeah, lo- yeah, exactly. Lost in the Garden of Eden. It's it's an okay song. I mean, it's it's a little repetitive, but it's a quick, you know, in and out kind of song. I mean, it's literally two two minutes and forty one seconds long. So, it, it again, it doesn't do anything for me. It's, I guess it's so fast; it, it, it doesn't have any time to do anything for me. <laughs> I, again, I like this one. Um, I think it's one of the the you know within the top 10 on this this particular album um i i like the pacing of it i like the attitude um you know to me it's it's guns and roses exactly um next song don't damn me i like this song a lot this has one of my favorite lines in a song ever for any song and that is the line um how's it go be it, be it a song or a casual conversation, to hold my tongue speaks of quiet reservations. That's amazing. That's amazing lyric writing right there. And and that's a that's a I would think that's an Axel Rose lyric. It, it the song's written by Axel Slash and some guy named Dave Lank, but I would think that's an Axel line. I don't know that 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 line right there epitomizes who I am personally. You know, I, I, it's very hard for me to hold my tongue, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I know that one. Exactly. So that I love that line. One of my favorite lines in, in, in any song. And the song itself is not bad. I like the song a lot. Um, it, it, it's got a, a ton of attitude behind it. Um, I mean, even at the end, you know, when he finishes the song, he goes, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> apparently he didn't like the version he's in, but they released it and they put that version out there. So it's kind of weird, but you know, it's a cool, I like the song. I don't know about you. It's, it, it's all right to me. I mean, I like the lyrical content, but as far as the actual music, it's not one of my favorites. There you go. All right. Bad apples is next. It's one, it's one of those that I just, you know, I used to listen to, but it just, by the time I get to this point in the album, I'm, I'm not really even listening this, anymore. It's exhausting <laughs> when you get yeah. to this point of the album. I mean, the album is an hour and 16 minutes long, and, you know, uh-huh. by the time you hit Dead Apples, or bit de- uh, Bad Apples, <laughs> you, you're, you're an hour into this, a little under an hour into it. And it's just, you know, and the, because of the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of, of this whole album, between the ballads and the fast songs and the mid tempo songs, it, you're, you're, it's like whiplash. Mm-hmm. And you, you get to this point, and you know it's like, do I really want to continue? Bad Apples doesn't do anything for me. The next song, Dead Horse, got some cool melodies, got some cool lyrics, got some cool harmonies on it, but it's okay. You know, you've got to, you've gotten to this point of the album. You're you know 15 songs in. And you're like, do I have to listen to another song? Um, and, and it's unfortunate because Dead Song is not a bad song. I mean, Dead Horse is not a bad song. But it's not it's a not, great song. It's not one of the best either. Right. It's, you know, we're, we're in the, uh, the home stretch. <laughs> yeah. All right. And finally comes Coma from Guns N' Roses. And that's a 10-minute song. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm already an hour and five minutes into an album, I don't want to hear a 10-minute song to end it. 
<laughs> I like the song though. It's it's really good. It, um, it's not bad. It, it's really poorly placed in the album, and I think that's the problem with it. It's like to me back then, ten minute songs. It was like mandatory that they had to be at the end of the album because it's a ten minute song. But this has a really kick ass solo in it. I mean, it's there's so much going on that I really like about the song. It's just really unfortunate that it's after, you know, three, four, five songs that are just kind of there. Like, like <laughs> if, if this came right after November rain, that'd be freaking solid. Oh my God. If it came after November rain, it's two songs and it's 20 minutes. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because November rain's nine minutes long. I think, you know, had, had dead horse gone and been in somewhere where the garden was happening, it you know like if Dead Horse would have come after November Rain, it probably would have done better. It would have had yeah. it would have been more attractive to people. Yeah, if Coma maybe was after, you know, like say Perfect Crime or You Ain't the First in the middle of it, because you got so many songs, it probably would have done better. But it wasn't, and it it it, it was one of these things. You had this marathon of songs. And you finally get to the end, and you're like, "Do I really want to hear this song?" And it's ten minutes long, and then you know to get ten, through ten minutes on top of it because it goes all over the place. You know, it's not just as one constant rhythm. <laughs> you know, so no. it, it's it's a good song. It could have been better if it was placed somewhere else. You know, where you you're not tired of listening to Guns N' Roses at this point. So. That well, we have the opportunity to place it somewhere else if we want to later. We do. That concludes Use Your Illusion 1. Use Your Illusion 2 is also a very good album. They both went, I think, quintuple platinum or something like that. Um, this one has two less songs. It's got 14 as opposed to 16. Um, but it also runs around the same time length, an hour. The other one was an hour 16. This one's an hour and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, so you're talking, that's two hour, two and a half hours worth of music. That's a lot <laughs> uh, for, for, for one collective group of songs. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a very good album. And, and each of the albums stand alone on their own, and they're very different from each other, even though they're... You know, obviously very eclectic in in and of themselves, but there's a difference. Stylistically, it's slightly different on this album than it is on the first one. This album starts off with Civil War, which was a single that came out before the album was released. It's the only song on the album to contain Steven Adler. I believe Civil War it came out prior to the album, and it was released on uh, as a... Um, it was it was a song that was played at the 1990 Farm Aid concert, and it was released prior to the album. It was on like a, a greatest hits of the record company or something like that. So it was a it was a benefit album that it came out on, and it that's a really I mean it's it's not a long song. Well, I guess at seven minutes it's long, but it it's it, it's a different kind of epic. I I don't know because the intro you got that intro from cool hand luke where you know person's you know talking about what does he say uh what we have here is a failure to communicate that's so famous i mean everybody knows that because of this song 
the whistle at the beginning was reminiscent to patience the slow but the the lyrics are awesome to this song yeah i mean it's it's a little bit different because because steven adler's on the album too i mean i'm are on the song too it has a very different feel and it's a i think it's a good way to start things off it's just kind of odd that it's on the second album but i guess it makes sense along with everything else that's going to come it, it does have a similar feel to knock it on heaven's door which is coming up soon uh so there there are thematic tie-ins from this song to some of the other stuff that's going to be coming up correct so the next song after that is 14 years uh that's an axel rose izzy straddling song uh, i believe izzy is doing some of the singing on this and i like 14 years it's a very different kind of song for guns and roses again along the lines of you know you ain't the first or uh dustin bones very similar in in style as far as dustin bones where it's just it's just kind of westerny feeling to me that has a lot to do with the fact that they're both from a small town in the middle of the midwest it's not a bad song uh like i said i like it it's it's one of these songs i won't skip over it but it's not one of these songs that are going to make my top 10 list yeah i mean it's got pianos in there which are kind of nice and it's something different and i don't mean keyboards but like piano sound um it's it's fine i I think that's the best way to put it it's fine it's 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 one of these songs where they they like threw in the kitchen sink when it came to all the instruments they were just playing Uh they were you know, playing piano, guitar, all that stuff. Very Experimenting. Similar, yeah, yeah, very similar to um, Bad Obsession, where they were throwing all the different kinds of guitars you could put in there. So, again, okay song. For, Next, I mean, for, for me, it's like I'm I'm on Civil War. I'm waiting to get to knocking on Heaven's Door. Well, in between that is the song Yesterday's. Now, that song I like. There's a lot of... Uh, lyrically, I like it a lot. It is... Um, it's, it's kind of like a... a it wants to be a slow song, but then it kind of picks up to a mid-tempo song, and it just there's a lot of things kind of going on with this song. It's a short song, but at the same time, there's a lot of meaning behind it. Um, the lyrics are pretty deep. I like them. Um, it was a single for them on the on on the album, but at the same time, there were so many singles that you you, you were starting to get the you you were getting Guns N' Roses overload by this time. Yeah, I like the solo that's on it. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. So now it comes to Knocking on Heaven's Door. The second cover that's on, on the two albums, you say you like this song. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, it's kind of an emotional song when I think about it in relation to certain things that have happened in my life. Um, this song was actually played at my grandmother's funeral. Uh, not this version, obviously, but but my dad actually played this on guitar and it was really nice and and yeah it's it's one of those songs that just resonates with me because of you know personal things but but the version that that's done here is just really nice and and it shows a, a little bit different side of Axel's uh, vocal range than some of the stuff that he's done so I really like it I like the song it's funny because they had a a hit single on the radio with a live version of Knocking on Heaven's Door that came out right after Appetite for Destruction 
became a big hit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went out and paid almost like $25, $26 for just to get this song and one other song. or Actually, three other songs. He did a whole lot of Rosie on it from ACDC. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I and like that one. Knocking on Heaven's Door, and then there was a live version of It's So Easy. It was like the Sweet Child of Mine. It was called the Guns N' Roses EP um, in England. Um, it, so the song... The song was out for a while as far as them playing it. Um, the, the studio version, which is this version, uh, is different than the, the than the live version they have. And then when they play it live during this tour, they throw in a reggae thing towards the end. It's one of these call and response songs for the band. So it, there's a lot for this song uh, for the band. So it's it, it was a big hit for them. And they, they continue to play it uh in the in the tours that they've been doing recently, the not in, not in this lifetime tours, yeah. So and they still do kind of like a reggae part. So it's pretty cool. I, I like. It. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There is a lot of meaning behind the song, and and, and it's really cool that your dad was able to play it at the funeral. Um. So that's it, it's a it's a neat song. It was one of the songs that Guns N' Roses played for the uh, for Freddie Mercury tribute. Yeah, I mean it's. It's just a really well-crafted song in general. And then when you have somebody that has the vocal talents of Axel, um, he treats the song right. And that's one thing, like I mentioned earlier, it, that you cannot take away from Axel is that he he just he does have command of of uh, of the stage when he's when he's doing vocals. I mean, he's a great front, great frontman and a great vocalist. Absolutely. All right. The next song, Get in the Ring, this is where uh, Guns N' Roses or Axel specifically kind of goes off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't care for this song. Th- this song is weird. Um, I re- I heard so much about it. When these, when these albums came out and the reviews came in, um, they were talking about this song, and, and this got a, there was a lot of controversy. Axel Rose loves to pick a fight. And... He has no problem talking shit in the press about somebody else or talking shit about uh, Warren Beatty in the middle of a concert. Uh, you know, in this particular case, he was getting on um, the guy from Penthouse Magazine. And it's it's like, man, you know, dude, you don't have to do this. But yet he's, you know, he goes all out. And the song is just basically... Him wanting to challenge anybody to a fight, and specifically the title is "Get in the Ring," and you know it's like "Get in the Ring, motherfucker." You know it's like, all right, dude, this is really a pointless song. You know this is where the excesses of the '90s was just like, come on, man, this is unnecessary. Yeah, he likes to uh, he likes to start shit, or at least he did when he was younger. So, um, yeah, he's a little older now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean. Not a terrible song, but it was just it's just literally a, a you know a throw in, in my opinion. Yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Right, Shotgun Blues is next. Um, that's another song that really doesn't do much for me. Um, I've got not I don't have a lot to say about it. it it's very repetitive to me. It is, but it, it you know it's a, it's a Guns and Roses track. It's it's probably my favorite of the really bluesy stuff that they've done here um it it kind of reminds me of a song like uh anything goes you know where it's just i it's fine like i i like it i i don't really have a lot more to say about it <laughs> <laughs> all right so that brings us to breakdown 
Um, another song that really doesn't do much for me. Uh, it's a long song, seven minutes, and I'm like, you know, was it necessary to be seven minutes long? You know, what do you have to say about it? It has a lot of really cool solo work, and I think that's really what kind of draws me to the song. At the kind of midpoint, there's a really nice solo uh, that I that I like, and I I always try to listen to when I listen to this album. So, I mean, for me, I I actually do like the song. I think it's, um, you know, it's got some interesting stuff at the beginning where you keep mentioning this kind of like spaghetti western esque aspect to the the, the, right. the album exactly uh you get the whistling and the like almost a banjo at the beginning i think i want to uh-huh. say is yeah um i like it yeah it's, it, it doesn't do a lot for me it's it's not like it, and that doesn't mean that it's not a good song mm-hmm. it's just one of these songs where i want to get to the rest of the album because to me there's so much more that's better than this later on in the album so and and we're coming up on all those songs. I, this may be the beginning of it because the song is again is not bad, but I just want to get past it. <laughs> uh, but I but I tend to like longer songs than you do. Oh, okay. Or more long <laughs> songs, I guess. I I don't mind long songs. It's just as long as they're well crafted. Yeah. All right. Pretty tied up. That was one of the songs I saw on my vi- on the video. It's a pretty cool song. And the the subtitle for it is The Perils of Rock and Roll Decadence, which is one of the lines they say right at the beginning of the song. I think it's a really cool song. Killer, what you want to call it? <laughs> uh, killer Hook on the beginning. Sorry, I, I couldn't remember what I was trying to say. It's got a killer hook at the beginning of the song, uh, the, or the chorus, basically. They they I like the way they changed the subject matter going into each of the verses in the way it goes into the, the the chorus so it's it's pretty neat um and again it was one of the first songs i heard from the album so they, there's something that kind of ties me to that song just like double talking jive it's one of the songs i heard it before the album comes out so they're, they're kind of special to me in that way i gotcha uh for me it's not one of my favorites it's it's one of those that i it's I guess to me it's really similar to other stuff that they they've done within the two albums and by that point I I've already heard the other songs so it didn't it didn't register the same way as it did but but you heard it first before you heard say Shotgun Blues or yes. Breakdown so your you your perspective is a little different than mine on that mm-hmm. so yeah these these that's the thing is this the midpoint of this album like 6 through 9 are all very similar songs in in some ways, like so. You can hear that there's there's a really thematic, like I said, there's thematic tie-ins all throughout this album. Um, a little bit more so than than Use Your Illusion One, where you, Use Your Illusion One feels so chaotic all over the place. This one feels very kind of more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Cohesive. Focused. Cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for for me, this is kind of the midpoint where I'm just like, do something different. <laughs> well, I personally believe that the next song is very different, and that's Locomotive. I absolutely love this song. From the minute that I heard this song, I was I was immediately drawn to it. There's a lot going on in this song. 
it's that the locomotive so the, the its song is appropriately named because the song literally chugs along and not in a term like a like a chug like a heavy metal or anything like that the pace of it just continues and it continues and it continues like a locomotive lyrically uh it's got a lot of words to the song uh there's a ton of lyrics to the song there's a ton of guitar solo work on the song and i'm talking about this song because i know it so well i love this song oh yeah Actu- it's a killer song um i love the drum beat at the very beginning i mean it really like kicks in overdrive after that with with the uh like you said the chugging guitars mm-hmm. um so there's there's just a really cool um energizing factor to this song and i really like it um probably one of the best on this album cool Within the last couple of years, I read an article from Slash talking about how they don't play this song very often in concert because it doesn't allow Axel to breathe properly. They played it a few <laughs> that times. Would make sense. Yeah. yeah, they played it a few times back in uh, in the in the Usual Illusion tour back in ninety one ninety two, um, but they didn't play it. I, I don't think they played it at the show that I went to when I saw them on New Year's Eve, but I do know they played it in France. There was a, a pay-per-view show that they had that, that had Lenny Kravitz and it had Stephen Perry, uh, Steve Steve Tyler and Joe Perry. I was going to say Stephen Perry. Um, and it was supposed to have Jeff Beck, but he had, his tinnitus acted up on him and he ended up not being able to play. Mm. So that was a really cool it's show. Bad. Yeah, I have a video for that and then I end up downloading the audio somewhere. Um, and they played Locomotive to, you know, that made the show for me <laughs> nice alright um, So Fine is next that is a Duff McKagan song it's, du- it's sung by Duff McKagan um, this is one of those to me where it was one of these hey I want to write a song I want to put it on the album can I put it on the album okay go ahead it's <laughs> uh, you know I actually like this song I think it's very different and you, you kind of hit on the reason why it's very different. Mm-hmm. But there's something about this song that I always liked. Um, but I'm a big Duff McKagan fan in that I like the songs that he writes. Uh, so Easy. Uh, or It's So Easy. I, I love that song. So there's something about the way he, he writes songs that I really enjoy. And his vocals are really nice, too. So I, I actually like this song a lot. It, it it's not a, a a bad it's 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 a very unique song it's very different from everything else that's on the album um it, it's very melancholy kind of song there's a lot of um deep inner thought to the song it's it's definitely his way of getting something off his chest in a very nice way very and i think that's one thing i really like about appetite was that there's so many voices you know you're hearing it's a very cohesive album, but at the same time, it's not. If you really sit down and analyze it, these are all songs that the guys brought into the band with them. And so if you really listen to each song and and break it down, you hear who wrote each song. And that's what I really like, is that their voices are all really strong. They're, they're, they're super talented musicians. And for, for even from that point, you can kind of see what's going to implode, what's going to explode from this band because they are all such strong voices. They all are, have their own opinions. And 
by this time you're kind of feeling that especially so um i think that's what one thing i really like about it is it does feel like something that might have appeared on on appetite in that it's something from one of the guys and it's their track yeah i think this would have been really good on lies because of the 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 feel behind everything that was on lies Mm-hmm. I thought I think I think they would have been well they would have done well on lies but nonetheless it was on this album it's a, it's a it's a good song it fits in between uh, it, it it's kind of cool how it flows into the next song the next song is estranged and this is another song very similar to what you're talking about with November rain and with don't cry very meticulously done song very different from the rest of the album from the rest of the two albums. Mm-hmm. This song, much like November Rain, this song to me is a masterpiece. Yeah, the, the guitar riff alone is very memorable. There's uh, so much to this song. It's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to the point where Axl Rose writes in the, in the lyrics, at the end of the lyrics, he says, Slash, thanks for the melodies. Because... Axel has complete songwriting credits, but you know, obviously, Slash plays on on song, so he he throws in these really cool melodies behind the lyrics. It's an absolute masterpiece for this for this band. This is my wife's favorite song, "The Strange." I like the song, okay. but let me tell you, what a weird freaking video. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the whale? Was it whale or a dolphin? It was a dolphin. What's with the dolphins? <laughs> Seriously. Why not? <laughs> why not? Because it was 1991. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? It was, it was, I mean, so this was the, the, the third in the trilogy of Use Your Illusion songs that were done by Axel. The first one being Don't Cry, the second one, November Rain. This was the third of the trilogy. I don't know. It, it's one of these things where just uh, artistically, Video wise, Axl Rose went off the deep end. <laughs> I don't know. It, Fair enough. I mean, it has nothing to do with the song, but it's still, you know, it has everything to do with the trilogy of videos that he was trying to to, to express. But yeah, whatever a, that was that he was trying to express. <laughs> yeah, he he expressed it with a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if you're being a almost ten minute song, it's it does go by really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a really well put together song. Now it's followed up by "You Could Be Mine," which was the Terminator Three song. That song is super cool. You know, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites on the album. Yeah. I I absolutely love this one. Es- essentially, the lead track on the album because I think this came out right before the album was released and it was basically the first quote-unquote single even though Civil War had already been played Knocking on Heaven's Door had already been heard um, this was the, the, the you know it, it led it was the lead song for the movie and it, the video ties into the movie so it's it's really cool and it's a very good song I mean they obviously still play it today super cool song yep I, I, you kind of covered everything I would I would want to say about it because, I mean it it it's just that it's it's you know a soundtrack song, a really good one, and very memorable. Which brings us to 
the alternate lyrics version of Don't Cry. I don't have a single problem with the song. Like you said, it's you prefer this version over the other version, probably mm-hmm. because you heard it first, so you were more used to it. I was used to the other one. I felt like, what's the point? My wife knows the, the lyrics to both songs because she loves both versions. So, again, it is uh, identical musically. The, all they did was change the vocal tracks. And... Which, like I said, makes a big difference as far as the way it's sung. Yeah, Yeah, it does. I have a single for it that has both versions on it, so it's pretty cool as well. Actually, it has has Don't Cry original, Don't Cry alternate version, Don't Cry demo. That's the single I have. That's cool. Pretty neat. And finally, we come to My World. And this was the song that I was bitching about earlier. (laughs) This This is the song I never listened to. This song doesn't belong in here. I listened to it today just because I was like, what is this song again? And I realized it, it's electronic. It's Axl Rose trying to be a rapper. I hate it. it it's it's horrible. It's ter- <laughs> it doesn't belong on this album. It's got nothing to do with the, any of the other 29 songs. Get it off. It doesn't belong on here. Axl, what the hell were you thinking? And it's only a minute, 24 seconds long. So it was a pointless thing to, to put on here. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, he was being artistic about it and he wanted to get it on there. So, all right. So that concludes the 30 songs on use your illusions one and two or use your illusion one and two. So your assessment between one and two, which one do you as like? As far better? as, uh, so, so to, for the head to head, if I've got to pick one of these two albums to be my favorite, it's got to be use your illusion two. I agree. To me, it's it's got more songs on it that I that I really love, even though no, November Rain is on the first one, which is probably my favorite of all the songs. Um, that's not enough for me to, to justify it being the better of the two albums. Uh, User Illusion Two is just much more cohesive, and it just has more songs I really enjoy. To me, it's got better songs. I mean, Civil War, Yesterday's, Knocking on Heaven's Door. For me, pretty tied up. Locomotive is strange. You could be mine. I mean, it's a really, really strong, strong album. Mm-hmm. So, I, I agree with you. Use Your Illusion Two to me is the better song. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, Use Your Illusion Two was the better seller when it came out, and it stayed the the better seller. I believe it by a million copies at one point. Oh wow! Okay. So it, it tells you. I think they caught up to each other at some point. Or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to think here. I'm, I'm looking real quick on the discography on Wikipedia. Because they tell you the album sales. And they both did 7 million, which is a, a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Think about it. But I think November Rain is just one of those tracks that even when people are not big fans of, of Guns N' Roses, they know that song. And it's one of, you know that's, that's one of those singles that can, can make somebody buy an album. Yes. Now, if you take it to what um, the other countries have, I, I don't know what uh, MC stands for, but this country, usually uh, one is diamond, and it's nine times platinum in another country. So I would venture to say across the board, oh, that says Canada. So across the board, I think it's pretty even, but... Uh, in the, I know in the United States at one point, Usual Illusion 2 was outselling 
one, but um, they're they're relatively even. So now that brings us to which fifteen songs are we gonna make for the ultimate user illusion greatest hits? All right, so I'm going to start first with uh, my 15, and I'm just going to basically go down the list. I'm not going to put these in any particular order. I'm just going to go from Usual Illusion 1, Track 1, down to Usual Illusion 2, Track 13, because I'm not even going to consider 14. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we're going to start off with Right Next Door to Hell, uh, then Live and Let Die, Perfect Crime, Double, uh, Double Talk and Jive, November Rain, and Coma off of Use Your Illusion 1. And then from 2, I've got Civil War, Yesterday's, Knocking on Heaven's Door, Shotgun Blues, Locomotive, So Fine, Estranged, You Could Be Mine, and Don't Cry Alternate Lyrics. Okay, well, that's a pretty cool list. Uh, let me go over my list. All right, so starting the same way, going from 1 to 2, beginning to end. Right Next Door to Hell, Live and Let Die, Don't Cry, the original version, Perfect Crime, Bad Obsession, Double Talk and Jive, November Rain, Don't Damn Me, then Civil War, Yesterday's, Knocking on Heaven's Door, Pretty Tied Up, Locomotive, Estranged, and You Could Be Mine. All right, so you've got Don't Cry, Bad Obsession, Don't Damn Me, Pretty Tied Up, and I've got Don't Cry, Alternate. So fine, shotgun blues and coma. So we gotta we gotta pick the last four. So it looks like what we have in common is right next door to hell, live and let die, perfect crime, double talk and jive, November rain, civil war, yesterday's knocking on heaven's door, locomotive estranged, and you could be mine. So what we're gonna have to do is figure out the last four tracks. Uh, that we have in common, or not that we have in common, that we'll decide to to place on the album. Absolutely correct. All right, so we have Don't Cry Original versus Alt. Well, you know what I'm going to want. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your argument for the original versus the, the, the uh, alternate lyrics? The, the main argument I have for that is that that's the one that they release as a single. So, okay. to me, in in their minds, that was the one that was more important. Gotcha. Well, for for me, like I said, I there's just something that that resonates more with me as far as the emotion behind the alternate lyrics, and I just, I honestly, I feel really strongly about about that version over the original. Okay, so I'll I'll let that one go for you. So okay. we'll go with the Don't Cry alternate version. All right. So that being said, we've got three more options to pick. What do you want to pick uh, for your next one? All right. So so what we have left is Coma, Shotgun, So Fine, Bad Obsession, Don't Damn Me, and Pretty Tied Up. Yes. And we have three spots available for six songs. So you're asking to find out what I would keep out of all this? Yeah, what do you want to keep? What do you feel that you have to keep on this one? Um, I, out of the three that are left from my, from my side that I picked, I would like to see Don't Damn Me on there. Okay. All right. 
Alright, so Don't Damn Me is going to be on there. So, out of mine, I'm going to go with Coma. Coma? I, I think Coma is just a really underrated song. And it's a, it's a, it's, of the three that I have left on here, it's my favorite. I think it's, it's a tragedy that it doesn't get listened to more than it does because of its placement on the album. Uh, but, but listen again, it's such a good song. So that's, that's the one I'm going to pick out of mine. Okay. So we have, well, you have to choose between bad obsession and pretty tied up. But how many spots do we have left? Mm, Don't we only have one more spot? Six. Yeah. So you have to choose between so we have one, one of the one of your two songs. One more spot for for four songs. All right. So out of the, out of what I have, I'll take between bad obsession and pretty tied up. I'm, I I'd like to see, I'd like to keep bad obsession. So. Out of what you have left, you've got Shotgun is so fine. So now, the, it's Bad Obsession and whatever you pick, we're going to have to battle that out. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm conceding. You can ta- take that. That's all 15. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, out of what I had left, I picked I picked the, the, the top one out of the three. And because I had already picked up Don't, Don't Cry Alternate, I counted that as my, my other option. Okay. Okay. All right. So, well, very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, we have Bad Obsession. All right. Do we want to put this in any particular order, or do we just want to do 15 from 1 to 2 and, you know, Usual Illusion 1 through Usual Illusion 2, and so be it? Because it's Um, it's not like we're doing a greatest hit. I mean, it's a greatest hits of the two albums, but at the same time, it's not a... uh, like a concert feel. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily has to have a specific order, but at the same time, I think it's not a bad order to be honest. <laughs> like just just really looking at it, the way it's laid out, it's really not a bad order. Okay. Well, I mean, do, that, you, do you have any that you would you would like to see differently? I don't think so, and the reason why is because the. You and I both agree that Use Your Illusion 2 is better. And as the album progressed, it got better and better. Mm-hmm. Especially with Estrange being such a, a masterpiece and November Rain being a masterpiece. But November Rain is not a song that needs to be, you know, the the, the encore song. Yeah. So, in that regards, yeah, it, you know, putting it this way, I mean, Right Next Door to Hell being number one, Live and Let Die being number two. Don't Cry being number... Th- no, uh, Perfect Crime, because Don't Cry is going to be at the end. Mm-hmm. Perfect Crime, and then Bad Obsession, Double Talk and Jive, November Rain, Don't Damn Me, Coma. And see, now Coma's in the middle, which is a right. much better placement. Exactly. Um, Civil War, Yesterday's Knocking on Heaven's Door, Locomotive, Estranged, You Could Be Mine, and don't cry alternate lyrics. I think it works. I think it works. Honestly, I like it. All right. Well, there's your uh, there's your greatest hits of Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Now just Use Your Illusion Greatest Hits. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Um, if you disagree or agree with us, give us comments on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Um, I like these 15 songs. Um, Guns N' Roses released their own version of Use Your Illusions or Use Your Illusion. I keep saying that. It, it's so used to it. And it is definitely not the same as what we did here. They 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 put in some songs on on theirs that it was uh, a little unusual as far as I I was concerned. I don't think they were trying to make it like the best of the two albums so much as it was just a sampling of each of the two albums together. And yeah. and uh, that that album came out in 1998. It's called Guns N' Roses: Use Your Illusion. You can still get it on Amazon and and any of the other um, music retailers out there. So it's a pretty cool kind of little tidbit to have. So that brings us to our big four Guns N' Roses songs. This has been one big Guns N' Roses episode. <laughs> yep. All right, um, so... Um, so I honestly don't know who started last time. Well, I, I'll get I'll go ahead and go first since you, you, wrote, you, you did your list first. Uh, I'll go okay. ahead and do my songs first. All right, so my big four Guns N' Roses songs are number four, It's So Easy. Of all the songs that they have, this has probably got the most attitude on it. Uh, maybe, you know, except for, you know, getting a ring, which is a, a different level of attitude. Um, just just the band and them oozing attitude. The first, the, obviously, Appetite for Destruction was an amazing album. It's, it's incredible. It's the biggest debut album of all time. But that one song, it's so easy. It's funny because "Welcome to the Jungle," when you hear that song, doesn't it's it's a song that stands out. That and "Sweet Child of Mine" are the two songs that stand out like sore thumbs on Appetite, and it's it's for good reason because they're great songs. When you when you get to the middle, the heart of the order of that first side on on Appetite for Destruction, it's so easy. Night Train, Out to Get Me, Mr. Brownstone, Paradise City, My Michelle. That that right there, that group of songs right there is just absolutely full of attitude. And and it's it. it one thing I, I want to say this at the beginning, and so I'll say it now. Every once in a while, a band comes along that changes the game. Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. Kiss, Metallica, excuse me. Oh, Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. I mean, yeah, Led Zeppelin. I, I was I was sticking more in the heavy metal thing, but yeah, I mean, Led Zeppelin changed it too. Just bands. Well, I mean, you could go in, even in the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles just changed the world, right? You know, Rolling yeah, Stones, just, The Who. You yeah. Know? And then in the eighties, it was Metallica, Motley Crue. To me, changed the game. Um, because they were just so different from the rest of the hair metal bands. Um, and then 1987 came this band from California. They weren't all from California, but they, they that's where they became a band at. And it, it almost looks like a clusterfuck of five guys. <laughs> okay, when you look at the pictures, when they were all freaking strung out, it literally looks just like five guys that just showed up one night and they put them on stage. What electricity, what energy, what chemistry those five guys had on that first album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it is amazing. And so 
number number four, it's so easy. It was just full, chock full of attitude on that on that song. Uh, especially when you know Axel yells out "fuck off," <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's I, when I first heard it, I was like, "Ooh, man, this is cool," <laughs> you know. So, number three, you go down a couple tracks on the album, "Mr. Brownstone." Now, I'm I'm going to say this for years, for years, I had no idea what that meant. I have never taken hard drugs in my life. The worst thing that I do is drink a, a Dos Equis once every couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, I mean, even I have whiskey on my shelf that I barely drink once a month. But drugs-wise, never did it, and I never knew the connotation of Mister Brownstone for years. I loved the song, sang the lyrics, duh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. But it's a cool song. I mean, I, I think I think my my ex wife knew what the song meant, and I didn't. And she never really told me anything about it, thinking that I knew. <laughs> you know, That's funny. so it tells you that. Number two for me is the masterpiece "Estranged," absolute virtual perfection to me, um, as far as that style of song is concerned. Lyrics, melodies, harmonies, everything that that song is just chock full of really cool stuff. It's deeply emotional. I love that song. Um, and, and Axel sings it that way. I mean, it, it's like you could just almost feel it when you listen to that song. But the one, the number one song for me, my favorite Guns N' Roses song, hands down, just because it is just uber crazy, full of really cool shit, is Locomotive. I love that song. I mean, nice. it, it, is, it is pretty awesome. And so that's my big four Guns N' Roses songs. That's a nice list. Uh, we have a couple in common, uh, as we typically do. <laughs> um, all right, so for for number four for me is November Rain. It has some uh, personal significant meaning, uh, which I'm not going to go into, but uh, I, I really adore the song. I love the music video. It's a masterpiece. It really is. And... Uh, and it's probably the best song, like I said earlier, from those two albums. Uh, unfortunately, it's not enough to make it the better album. But uh, but yeah, it's a kick-ass song. Uh, for number three, It's So Easy. I mentioned earlier that I really like uh, Duff's writing style and what he does. And I love the vocals on this song. There, it, this is Axel doing more things vocally than, than he does in a lot of other songs. So he, it really shows off his full range, and I love it. Uh, for number two, it's uh, Mr. Brownstone. I This is the song that really got me into Guns N' Roses. Um, I, I, just, I, I actually knew what this was about pretty young. My, my parents were always very candid with me. I say my parents. My mom was. Um, she would tell me what things meant because she never wanted me to be saying something that I didn't understand. And so when I was a kid, she kind of exp- explained what this song was about. And and uh, it didn't really matter to me because it was just such a good song. And I kind of understood, like, you know, these artists write, write songs about things that affect them. And I always kind of had that perspective of, of you know, this is, this is what affects these people. That, what they're going through, etc. So I always thought it was a great song. And for number one, it's my favorite Guns N' Roses song, or Guns N' Roses song, 
it's just something about this song is so kick-ass, and that's Night Train. It's a song I can't get out of my mind. There are certain songs I just always have stuck in my head, and something about this just kicks so much ass, and it's so Guns N' Roses to me. I agree. That's a cool song. It was hard for me to pick some of the songs off of Appetite. I, at one point, I had all four songs from Use Your Illusion. <laughs> oh, wow. Appetite, to me, is, is a nigh-perfect album. It, it, it's only the last couple songs that I... It's not even that. Like, I love Anything Goes. I think that's an awesome song. I love You're Crazy. I think I, lo- I love it more uh, since I'm divorced. <laughs> um, I think Rocket Queen is probably my least favorite song on the album, but I still love it. See, I like, like I, I love the album. It's I like amazing. Rocket Queen. I think that's a really cool song. You know, oh, I do too. When I saw, but, I, but when I say least favorite, it doesn't necessarily mean I don't like it. Right, it just means it's my least favorite of of like a almost perfect album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was. I remember when that album first came out. I called my friend in New York and I said, Richie, you need to get this album from this band Guns N' Roses and I went back to New York in the summer of 88 and I I was down in New York City at Bleaker Bob's and I picked up this album Appetite for Destruction with the original cover on it Uh, it was between that one and picking up um, the original Live Like a Suicide and at that time you don't realize that that Guns N' Roses is going to be what they're going to be so I had Live Like a Suicide sitting in my hands, but I think they wanted $35, and in this one they only wanted like 15 because it had the alternate cover. So I bought that yeah. one. But uh, yeah, absolutely great album. And so there's not, you know, it, it is near perfection, like you said. Well, cool. That brings a conclusion to the proceedings of Guns N' Roses Night. <laughs> um, why don't you let them know what we're going to be talking about next week, Chris? All right, so make sure to tune in next week. We're going to be going over a couple thrash classics from Overkill with Under the Influence versus Years of Decay. We're also going to give you another Big Four with Big Four Overkill songs. So tune in next week, and remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya. See ya.